Mergers, acquisitions, and compound transfers can often result in complex trial-master-file transitions that require seamless management of people, processes, and technology. In today's episode of the State of TMF, I'm joined by two TMF gurus, Steph Viscomi of iSide and Dawn Nickham of Inception. Together, we'll explore some of the key frameworks to help ease these transitions and how they can be used to navigate these challenging situations effectively. The State of TMF is officially in session. Let's get into it. So when it comes to uh, these unique situations, these major organizational events, they can have a pretty consequential uh, impact on TMF teams and TMF processes. So today we want to cover everything to do with how to build the right process and plan to be able to deal with these types of situations properly. We have three scenarios. Uh, scenario one is that your company acquires another company. So what do you do from a TMF perspective when that happens? Scenario two is when your company merges with another company. Also an interesting situation to deal with. And then scenario number three might be when you acquire a compound or a device from another organization where there are some legacy TMFs that you need to get a handle of. So those are the three scenarios that we're going to tackle today. But before we jump into that, just like we always tackle when it comes to TMF presentations, really focusing on people, processes, and technology. Um, Steph, Dawn, from your perspective, why is this so important at this point? Well, uh, people, process, and technology is really the core of, one, everything we do, but certainly the core of um, any kind of acquisition or merger um, when you're acquiring new TMFs. So we have to have these three intertwined to work together. I think it's very important that that is the, at the end of the day, the main focus. Yeah. yeah, just to add to that, it's it's really the flow between all three of these, isn't it? It's, you know, ensuring that you're not forgetting about the people along the way. You're not forgetting you're going to have different processes, people coming from different organizations or TMFs done completely different from what you're used to. And the technology, we can't forget about the technology because it can be all over the place. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Amazing. So obviously what we want to do is stitch these three components into everything that we discussed today. Um, so as we go through these different scenarios, we'll try, we'll try and pull in on, you know, whether this is a focus on people or processes or technology. So let's jump into the first a uh, few scenarios. So when we were preparing today's discussion and we had some initial conversations between Steph Dawn and I, we were thinking, you know, about when a, an organization acquires another or when an organization merges with another, there's a lot of similarities between the way that you would prepare for that specific event uh, or once that event occurs. So we decided to actually combine these two scenarios together. But as we go through um, some of the frameworks that we've de de defined for today's mm -hmm. discussion, We'll also try and highlight where there might be slight differences, whether you're merging with an organization or whether there's an acquisition happening. So let's let's jump into that. So when it comes to uh, a company that is being acquired or that you're acquiring another organization, Steph, what do you think are some of the key TMF considerations when that event happens? When that event happens, if you're acquiring a company, you, you want to understand with where the TMFs are in general at that other company. Um, what's active, what's closed, where's it all sitting, what system it's in. Um, is it maybe, how different is it than your current system? Of course, uh, you know, the people if we're acquiring, um, are those people becoming part of, um, will you, we have interactions with them? Are we able to talk with them? Um, becoming part of your team. And I think another piece is also processes is a really key important how different are those processes across the board um, when you're with what they were doing? And then at the end of the day, we need to figure out what those processes are, were, what the, uh, what the systems were, and we have to put it all in a plan. And I know we'll talk more about getting into those plans later on, but having that game plan and moving forward um, and giving us some traction to figure out what does our ultimate end game look like? 
Amazing. So really focusing there, I guess, on sort of understanding that current state of affairs, like you mentioned, sort of what are we, what are we walking into here as we start to acquire this organization, you know, and then I guess also thinking a little bit about are there active studies with this organization? Uh, What what sort of, what's the environment for closed studies, those types of things, right, Steph? Right. That is absolutely correct. And one thing I'd like to know also is, you know, um, I really like the note on here where we talk about minimizing disruption on active studies. Um, That is a really big situation. I've worked with acquisitions before where you have um, an old study team or the new study team getting put in place and people just needing to know where everything stands. But as a TMF expert or the TMF person or team, we really want to know um, that things are, are moving forward um, actively and that it's you know not going to really bother any of the work that's actually happening as we're if it's an active study very right. simple it needs to be very simple and smooth so now when we change our lens a little bit there's some definitely some similarities between when an acquisition is happening when a merger is happening um dawn what do you think are some of the key tmf considerations and what might be different when you think about a merger so one thing I want to mention between acquisitions and mergers, you know, because, because I'm a QA person, I'm always thinking about regulatory compliance. So we want to make sure that we're maintaining the data integrity between whether we're transferring between systems, which you know, we'll talk about in a little bit, but you know, also during, particularly during active studies that you're ensuring you're not losing any of that in the minutia of all this. When it comes to mergers, I think, you know, one of the biggest differences that we talked about is that in an acquisition, the acquiring company is not necessarily the partner company. You know, I think, you know, um, the acquiring company often may be being acquired because they have a great compound to acquire, you know, from a senior management standpoint, they're not always thinking about down to the level of the TMF. In fact, most of the time they're not. When you're talking about mergers, there is more of a dance that you're doing. You're looking at whose system you might choose. You're looking at whose process you might choose. You're you're having those discussions on a higher level, knowing that your stakeholders both really do have a lot of um, influence in which way you're going to go. You know, you want to be as efficient as possible in this, in all of these, but making sure you stay compliant. And you always plan for it. You do plan for the smooth transition, but it's it's usually pretty bumpy. You know, there there is going to be things where people love their system and they've used it forever, whatever forever might be. And they they don't want to go to the other person's system. They feel like they're giving up something. So, you know, always thinking about, again, bringing it back to the people, always thinking about those feelings because you have to address those in order to have a successful outcome at the end. And our, our successful outcome is, of course, that inspection-ready TMF. All right. So now that we've set the scene, and thank you, Steph and Dawn, for taking us through kind of some of those initial key considerations. What I'd love to do now is start to talk about what we've called the THO framework, the TMF Harmonization and Optimization Framework, which is developed specifically for when your organization is going through one of those types of events, whether it be a merger or an acquisition. So what we've done is is developed a series of steps that you might want to consider as you go through this process. And we'll highlight at various stages where there might be differences in approach uh, or what you might want to consider differently in either scenario. So now if we think about pre-merger or pre-acquisition, in both cases, we're going to want to take a look under the TMF hood, right, Dawn? Like, why is this step important as part of this framework? Well, it it becomes important because we know, especially, well, either acquisitions or mergers, it can happen, acquisitions probably more often, where a TMF may have not been maintained in a validated system. You know, we we do see um, people using things like, you know, Box, SharePoint, um, other 
other just shared drive um, places to keep their TMF content. And, you know, we need to know, is there any risk of bringing those documents over um, when they come into presumably our, our validated system. So we want to know where they used it and where all those documents are. So it's a good idea. It gives us a baseline and it helps us understand what other things we're going to have to consider before we're even able to migrate that TMF. Right. And what, you know, what are some of the things that we might want to look for, Steph, when we're performing some of that due diligence on existing systems and process, that kind of first look under the hood? I mean, it's really important to see um, just opening up the original team. I've done really talked about having a compliance system. Uh, number one is important. Um, I I had a situation in the past where when we started to do this due diligence efforts and we recognized um, the company that we were acquiring, not at my current um, organization, but in the past where they had put all the documentation in a, a non-compliant, non-validated system because they were being acquired. And mm. at the same point in time, it was a little bit of like, oh, I kind of maybe wish you just left everything where it was <laughs> because now we actually, now we have another challenge of how we're going to migrate out of there. Um, key processes are really important to start looking at as well. What was done beforehand? So all these little activities that may seem like, hmm, doing the due diligence, I can just do it as we go. Well, actually, no, let's do it all up front. So you really have all of your, your marbles in, a, in your bucket, right? So you know what you're dealing with and how you're going to do it and the stakeholders that you need to involve in either one, getting this done or making the decisions along the way um, and getting to that really uh, end point that we want of having remaining compliant TMFs, um, active TMFs if they're active and as well as just really um, all of our, uh, we're checking all the check boxes as we're supposed to. So uh, I guess a message to anybody being acquired or merging with another organization, just keep those TMFs where they are for now. <laughs> Definitely, please. <laughs> I guess also, Dawn, you know, the reason that Steph mentions there, you know, moving something, you know, you know that your company is getting acquired. So you think, oh my God, I've got to, I've got to sweep up here and I've got to do this there. Is it sometimes better just to say, okay, we leave it here because maybe there's data there, there's metadata, there's information that's going to help us maybe tell the story. Is that kind of why we think Steph's making that recommendation? Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely that once you, especially if you export from your validated TMF into a non-validated space, you know, did you get everything when you did that export? So one of the thing, one of the mistakes that can be made is, well, we got all the documents, but we didn't get all the information about the metadata. So again, when it comes to down the line, because ultimately we want, you know, we want our TMFs to be inspection ready. We, we say that all the time, right? You know, where, how do we ensure everything is there? If we were losing data, we're losing metadata about our documents, about our artifacts by putting it in a non-validated state, potentially. Whereas if you leave it where it is, then we can go and interrogate that existing system and understand what's there and really guide what should be pulled, how it's going to be pulled in, in if we're, wherever we're going to put it in our um, TMF system going forward. Right. Well, if you don't mind me just adding on to that, um, one piece also to really take consideration, now we're breaking audit trails, um, if there were audit trails in place beforehand. So you don't have originality of where that document started, where everything started, and it goes back with the metadata and all of that. So it's not just, as Don said, the documents themselves, it's all of the pieces behind it. And we have to be able to speak to that upcoming in an, an inspection or whatnot if this is something that would head towards inspection. So certainly, um, you know, keeping things where they are uh, is really important if that's a consideration. Um, right. But yeah, you know, need to look at the uh, the back part of everything as well behind the scenes. All right, perfect. So we start with sort of a, a high level, quick peek under the hood. We're doing a little bit of initial due diligence just to understand what we're walking into, right? Right. Um, now we go from 
you know, the, the, the merger has occurred, the acquisition has occurred. Now we're in harmonization mode. Now we got to mobilize the troops, get everybody kind of moving towards the same objective. Where do we want to start there, Dawn? What, what's the first place that you would kind of start once that acquisition's happened? It's really what's said here, a TMF gap assessment. So, you know, the due diligence, as you pointed out, it's a high level. I have an idea of what I'm going to find. Now I want to do a little deeper dive into the TMF and say, what's there, what's not there? What am I, what am I missing? How was this done? What am I looking for? And those are all really, really important things to start us going. Sorry, we'll cough there. Um, so, you know, you know, you're gonna spend time looking through actual artifacts. You're gonna spend time looking through actual TMF documents, not doing a full end-to-end, -end. you're gonna risk basis, but really getting that idea of, is, is this complete? Is there what I need in it? Or what else am I going to do, need to do for remediation? And it really starts leading into the rest of this because now I can start thinking about processes. Who do I need to be part of this? Who are my stakeholders? The TMF is going to guide you on that. It's going to help you start putting your team together and start thinking about what's next. So often when I write up a gap assessment, I'll write the good, bad, and the ugly in the assessment, but I also have a recommendation. These are the things that you need to consider doing in order to get our TMF to an inspection ready state. Right, so we, we jump in, we start doing a sort of TMF gap assessment. I would imagine that that gap assessment is gonna probably evolve a little bit over the first few months as we start to get deeper and deeper into it. Then we're gonna to start to look at comparing existing processes, right? And yes. I think what's interesting here, Steph, I'd love to hear your perspective on the differences between a merger and an acquisition when it comes to comparing those processes. Because the objective might be slightly different, right? Be between an object uh, for, between a, an acquisition or a merger when it comes to processes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's two different ones. So comparing processes, when we've done our, our gap assessment, we figured out our baseline, right? We know where everything stands. Um, and now we're up to the point of, if we're in an um, acquisition, well, we're acquiring the company. So the difference there is they're going to be taking on our own processes. We're not going to take on theirs because that company is now probably will no longer, uh, most likely they're now part of company ABC. Um, so now we have to merge them in to our, excuse me, put them into, I use that word merger real quick, um, put them into our processes. So now getting them up to speed, how are we transitioning them into them, meaning the TMF people, their TMF processes into our own. So there's needs some type of planning. Um, there is a lot of change management, which I believe we'll be talking about at some point throughout this as well, that is required in part of that. But I think the other part of as well is what did they do beforehand? We need to understand what processes, what oversight was in place, because maybe we're a bigger company and we've acquired a very small company and the processes that they had, sure, they fit at that time for them. Um, but they don't fit into this new scope here, but they're very tied to those processes. So now we have to make sure what did they do? How did they do it? How was it documented? So we can show that later on and, and put that over. Now, as a merger, we're gonna sit down with our fellow stakeholders. It could be on either side of the house, who's part of our team to determine, okay, we have, if we're merging companies, what is the best process? Um, is it, a very detailed, um, or is it more of a high-level risk-based, who knows what kind of um, process we're looking at, but where do we want to go from today in determining which is the best processes that we're going to utilize? And again, somebody's going to be changing, so there's still going to be change management involved as well. So it, it, that's just along a line of, and we'll talk about systems as well, but there's a very big difference about transitioning from one company to another, but also deciding which processes are the best, um, comparing those two and deciding which is the best for the organization moving forward. 
And I guess you might find yourself in a situation where the company that you're acquiring, your organization is acquiring, maybe there are, there, there's, there's things that they've been able to achieve, develop, create as part of their process that you might want to adopt, right? Maybe that was even part of, yes. part of the reason behind, um, you know, acquiring the organization or merging with the organization. So I think, I guess that's also an important thing to consider is as you're doing that kind of gap assessment, but also comparing existing processes, kind of building a, a, a map of those things to identify how in each of the different areas, archiving, operations, management, monitoring, whatever it might be, how is the organization managing these things today? And how do we, you know, do we feel like that part of the process might be a, a level up from where we're, where we're at today? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all it's, the dynamics of any company, a, a merger or acquisition is changing. If you're acquiring a company, you're gaining probably new compounds, new studies, whatnot, but it's more depending on what you decide to do. If you're merge, if you're acquiring that company, are you maintaining their TMF until the studies are out and you're still using your own? Who knows what that looks like? But um, there's definitely you need to move forward and compare and just know that it's not a one fit for all. If your current processes may not fit the other ones, just may need to realign with what you're saying, Oliver of having, of looking at theirs and maybe we can utilize and bring to, you know, revise as we need into what we have today. And then I want to kind of pick out something that you mentioned there, Steph, which I think is really important, which is what is the impact or how do we minimize the impact on active studies? Dawn, I know that you've been through this a ton of times. What are we thinking about in that situation where we're acquiring a company or merging with an existing company and there is active studies that are going on? Right. Yeah, and I actually want to pick up on a point from Steph just for a second ago when we're talking about existing studies maybe staying within existing process. So, you know, one, one of the things we want to absolutely minimize the impact on the ongoing study, you know, not to push timelines, not to impact any of the data integrity and so forth that's going on. Super, super critical. I mean, that's maintaining the regulatory compliance, but it's also, we may be in a situation where we have parallel processes. And, you know, so from a documentation standpoint and also from a regulatory standpoint, we really need to clearly delineate what, what studies are following what processes. And you really want to have that well-documented. In fact, there's an artifact in the TMF that you can put that under with your list of SOPs. But it's also, you know, might be something we're going to talk, you know, we're going to touch on storyboards a little bit later, but it might be something if you're keeping a storyboard of what's going on, which I do recommend you do, just keep a listing of all the things you've done, not necessarily to put in the TMF, but more as your back documentation to you know, ensure you can speak to things. That's where you put all the good, bad, and ugly. Um, you know, why, did, why didn't we roll up to our process? Because there may be some very different things. You know, something as simple as I might have in my process for a small company, we do periodic review every quarter, but the larger company, they do it, you know, biannually because, you know, that's that's their minimum. So, if I'm keeping with my, do I, usually you can do more and it's okay. But if someone happens to pick up that process and look at it with a newer study with that same compound and is under the new processes, you know, what does that look like? Um, you know, so that parallel running to processes, it's, it's again, it's all a dance. It's all uh, maintaining a state of control while you're doing two different, slightly different things, but sort of the same at the same time. And I think what's really interesting about that, because I think when you, when you think about if you're on a team that's being acquired, you're not being acquired, but let's say your organization is being acquired, um, or you're on a team that is, that is acquiring, the most important thing to think about there is we don't want to rock the boat. Even if the company that that's acquiring you has, a vastly better system or a much larger team. Maybe you can work out how you can leverage that team. But if you're in the middle of a study, changing systems, major overhauls of processes, it's going to throw potentially things into a, into a tailspin, right? And then it's very, okay. very difficult for you to be able to 
demonstrate that you've had the proper control that you needed and the consistency throughout the course of the study. I think that's a really, really great recommendation. So let's move on a little bit. So we've looked at the gap assessment. We've compared existing processes. We talked a little bit about people um, as part of our people processes and technology. Um, when we when we have two organizations that are going to be working together uh, more closely, we need to have an understanding of who the key people are, right, Steph? When it comes to that, what what are you typically looking at, you know, in terms of understanding who is involved? Well, I mean, from my point of view, I like to look at the whole landscape. Um, if we're acquiring, is there another group? Is that group staying? Is are they coming into our group? If we're merging, are we having two different groups? Um, I've been, um, I've seen in the past where a company um, acquires another one and they still mean the old one will still maintain their current processes, but they have to report up to the other company that's acquired them. Um, and how does that work? And rolling that all up to the top. So really finding out who your stakeholders are, who are your decision makers and who are the, who are the folks that are going to be working throughout this process to ensure that we're maintaining things like data integrity, um, getting our migrations done, making these um, all these little things along the way. It's, I hate to say doing the checkbox, but there's an element of checking the boxes uh, of going through this process. Um, and it's very easy as we can, um, for those that can see this slide, if you're, if you're able to see it, there's a lot of dots and a lot of um, little steps along the way, and this is not a one fit for all. It definitely is modified for active, close, big, small, whatever your, your uh, study is or whatever your uh, situation is, but you want to include all of those key people. And I think one thing that could be often forgot to me in my mind is always have our quality folks involved. I think it's really important. Shout out to Dot, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, if you're migrating, if you're talking about systems, Bring them in, bring them in for those initial conversations. It's really important that they're on the same page. If you um, have a company or uh, that has a different systems department that may be part of your TMF and needs some involvement there because there's some elements of that that needs to be reviewed. Right. Um, and then of course your leadership and making sure everybody's aligned and um, know that the plan that you're putting together moving forward is good to go in the timelines and whatnot. So really establishing your key team of people and the stakeholders that are going to be part of it. And again, I can't stress this enough. I, I talked about a little bit earlier is the change management, but even more importantly, communication. Just make sure you're continuously keeping everybody in the loop um, throughout this whole entire one, this first piece of this process, right? The pre-merger, you know, getting ready, getting prepared, looking under the hood and, and, you know, verbalizing what you're finding, but now the harmonization piece, getting those people involved and actively communicating, collaborating, and um, just keeping them, uh, you know, up to snuff and what is going on. So it's really important to identify those key people within your, within your areas. And actually, I just want to add a little piece to that in that um, there's definitely the key people but we also have to not forget about the little people. So everyone, whether they may not be actively involved in, in the actual, you know, comparing the processes or the transition or that sort of thing, they're certainly impacted by it. And we can't, we can't forget about those people. So every study team member, yes. you yep. know, everyone, we didn't, um, one of the functions we didn't mention, I think you said systems, but even our, our IT, you know, making sure your IT team is involved. You might need your regulatory team involved. Anyone, you know, everyone and anyone who would have contributed, could have contributed, might contribute in the future to the TMF. All of those functions doesn't mean that they all have to sit around the table for all of this, but they need to know what's going on. And particularly, you want to be communicating out to them, which we're going to talk about plans. A communication plan is one of the important ones. We're going to want to be communicating out to them. These are the timelines. This is when your study will be impacted, or this is this is when your compound will be, however you're setting this up. This is when it's going to happen, at least what we think now. So people are not blindsided when right. it suddenly comes to them and they're like, well, wait a minute. I thought we were staying in the old system. 
or they weren't planning for it at that point in their studies either. They have other things going on and this will completely, again, talking about disruption, be a disruption to their studies of what's going on. Yes, I can't agree more, Don. Thank you for adding that in. And for those of you that are trying to figure out how to build that kind of stakeholder mapping um, exercise, we have some templates that we've developed as part of this presentation that we'll share with you afterwards. And in fact, most of the plans that we'll talk about, we've developed some high level templates for you guys to take away and use today. So, you know, we've gone through the gap assessment, we've compared the processes, we've started thinking about who needs to sit at opposite ends of the table, the different groups and their responsibilities. We started to talk about communication as one of the plans when we think about this you know moving from harmonization we've really looked at all of the different things under the hood now we've got to think about what we need to do how do we you know plan for um, whatever we've identified dawn when you think about the types of plans that you would want to create as part of this what are some of those things um, that you would look to yeah, at least, you know, and you can call them lots of different things. It can be one big plan versus a lot of little ones. But, you know, I want to see a plan around transition, you know, and that might be a big overarching one. I want to see in, in that plan and in that transition plan, I want to see what processes are we going to use? Who's, who are our, you know, key team members for the transition team? So that's not going to be all your stakeholders, but it's going to be the key team members. So we're going to have that, a communication plan. You may have a migration plan, particularly if you're migrating from one system to another. You know, we want that, you want to make sure you have that detail of how did I maintain data integrity from system to system. Very, very, very key things to have in there. You may have, um, you may even have plans, you know, that are specific to study team documents. You may have um, specific data management versus regulatory versus site-facing documents. So you may break some of those things down. And I'm sure I forgot a, a couple of the plans in here, but, you know, again, it's, we need an overall, what are we going to do? When are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? Why are we doing it? And then again, the how, you know, the four W's and an H needs to be captured in that plan so that we, we ensure we're able to have a roadmap of how to get from A to Z. Did I miss any plans, Steph? No, you didn't, but I just want to make a comment. I mean, John said it in a roundabout way, but it was, I mean, we're going right back to the core. People, process, and technology are the three main components of that transition plan. And uh, I've been through this multiple times myself, and it's so valuable to have that to reference back to for your own as you're going through the process, share with others, your internal stakeholders, and, and maybe down the line when you actually have to speak to what you did. Um, and I think a key part of it, too, is making sure you are talking about those in your transition plan, kind of what it, maybe a little historical piece of it, what it looked like in the past. Um, I found that very valuable, uh, the summary of where things stood, maybe some of the processes, maybe um, maybe it could be what types of oversight was done or where some of the documentation um, that could be referenced in there. So really use, utilizing, as Don talked about, that uh, transition plan almost as your like central hub and that could point to different directions, but you all have um, everything in place to go forward. All right, amazing. Thank you for that. So let's jump into the integration phase. So now that we've got everything, we've got all our ducks in a row, we've got all of our plans kind of ready to rock and approved, now we've got to start thinking about how we integrate all of this and actually execute on these plans. So Dawn, where are we starting here? And, and why is the first step so important as we start to integrate our plans? Yeah, the, and we have process as a first step because we don't, you don't want to jump into this without having defined what is my process going to be? What, what process am I going towards? And what I what I have seen as a mistake is when you forget that, there's just chaos. You know, we we want to control, this is chaotic. All of this is chaotic. We want to control that chaos as much as we can. 
So by having, this is what our process is going to be. Yeah. We know how we're going to integrate. We know what system we're going to use, excuse me, and who's going to be involved. Then, then it should smooth it along the lines quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think both Don and I were chatting earlier today and I made the comment of organized chaos and it's kind of true, right? This is, it's, Yes, there's a lot of moving pieces, but it can very flow nicely. And just as Don was saying, is knowing what's coming up before you even start this whole transition, such as getting your processes in place, is such a key element because now our your brains and everybody's thinking ahead of like, okay, we know what the process should look like. Now we have to get the rest to align to all of that. I think what's also interesting about that term organized chaos is that if we go back to the people part, when you're thinking about who's going to be involved in assisting and supporting the implementation of these plans, you've also got to think about who is going to be able to thrive in that organized chaos, because right. not everybody, not everybody will, right? Sometimes the chaos can consume you yeah. and it can, it can stifle you. And so having people that kind of can float in that environment and stay level-headed and cool-headed I think is important to be able to manage this from start to finish. So when you're thinking about the people, of course, you need to map, you know, the different stakeholders, making sure that you've got TMF team versus TMF team kind of working together. But you've also got to think about who are the right people to kind of spearhead some of these initiatives that are going to be able to keep a level head throughout the process. You know, one thing I want to note, as much as we have this really pretty kind of lay of the land right here, anything can pop up at any time, right? I have been part of an organizations before where we've acquired old companies and, oh, we were told we have, you know, just a handful of active studies and then finding out, wow, behind the scenes, there's actually like a hundred plus close studies that we had no idea. And we had to put that into place. Um, and I think when you create, going back to the people piece, a very important piece, that core team just keeps it moving forward and stays on track with it. Those are very key that's a very key piece to this entire thing. Just like you said, people who are level-headed and can handle the, uh, keep the chaos organized, it's just make a, a tremendous difference. And, and I wanna add just one more piece of this. You may lose people along the way and probably you will because there, there are going to be people, especially if you've ever been part of an acquisition or merger, there's yep. a lot of nervousness that has nothing to do with trial master file that's going, going on that they wonder what's gonna become of me. And if an opportunity pops up, they hop ship. So, you know, you have to, as you know, as much as you can plan for, there's going to be some loss of people along the way and you're going to lose some knowledge along the way so yeah. as much as much as you can to capture people when they're available capture them when you have them and capture what's in their heads when you have them is the is the best way to think of it because you just never know what attrition is going to happen with this and it Absolutely. generally does <clears throat> yep so so let's jump. What we're going to do now is we're going to speed through the last few points in this process because we're, we've got a whole bunch of other things to talk about. So Dawn, do you want to just run us through very quickly, very briefly, what are some of the other last few steps in integration and then move us into optimization? Sure. Sure. So we're, we're absolutely, you know, doing the actual migration of the TMFs, training people. So regardless of if you're going into your existing system you're going to have a lot of people that need training, that need to know what process they're following. And then finally, communicating, communicate, communicate, communicate. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, I think this has been like the trending comments throughout this, right? Um, is, you know, can't communicate enough, but, you know, make sure your staff is trained and it's not just the one and done, because sometimes when we implement some of these things, it's a quick, okay, we're going to give you this training session about these are our new processes, these are our new systems, and here's a new how the new system works. Well, you just want to make sure that you go back, check in, maybe do another, you know, follow-up, having those open office hours. Change is huge, change is challenging. Not many people really love change. And just like Don says, 
tempers are a little raised as it is already. Some people may on their may be on their way out the door or maybe nervous if their position will still be there, or heck, maybe they're just in the middle of a really crazy active study that they may not be a hundred percent in tuned to uh, what's going on. So making sure you're training accordingly, doing um, communicating on a, a regular basis, but not overwhelmingly enough. Um, not overwhelmingly uh, where they're no longer listening. So I think those are really important things. Don, do we have you back? You do. Okay. All right. And then I guess the last piece when it comes to we've integrated and executed on our plan, but our job is not done there, right, Dawn? We, we've got to think about what do we do after, you know, six months, after a year? What what, what are some of the things you might be looking at? Well, again, and, you know, this is putting my QA hat on a little bit as well, is that, you know, our work is never done. We always have ways to continuously improve, and we need to look at that. So, you know, as we get farther along, we may again look back to, you know, in an acquisition, they may have had a really great process. Can we implement that into our process, some of what they've done? Can we, you know, as we've gone along and we've done all this integration, we've been doing this all along, we might find something that we were doing that, why are we doing this? Or, oh, oh no, we forgot, you know, a step here or two. It's really the opportunity to make sure that we 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 continuously improve, and that is from a regulator standpoint. And I, I know we'll talk about that. You know, our regulator expectations. That's one thing regulators, particularly EMA, MHRA, um, FDA, even to an extent, especially if they have issues, if they see issues, they're looking at. Okay, you may have not done great here or this may have not gone really well, how are you going to make sure that doesn't happen again? What right. are you doing for continuous improvement? So it's part of a, you know, this is a quality system thing. You know, it's part of your overall quality system to just ensure that you're continually improving what you're doing because we always should be getting a little better. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. And even and if, if you think you're perfect, things change and then you're not perfect. True. Right. Um, to just tag on to that one thing, one more thing that I would, that I've done in the past. And I think it's really, um, a really fruitful activity to do is revisit your gap assessment that you did in the beginning. Yep. Look at it, look at your transition plan that you finalized. So revisit your gap, maybe do, um, a risk-based QC or some kind of QC against that to do a, just a sampling check. Did we fulfill what we were supposed to build? Do we feel in a much better state than when we were? then did we close out everything and then of course like i said looking at your transition plan did we check all the boxes did we did we complete what we said we were going to complete and i think this might um potentially lead us into some storyboarding conversations um the one thing i do want to add about that as we go into that is when you create your storyboards create them at the time you're doing them i've been in the position of having to create storyboards years after an acquisition happened and trying to pull dates out of the blue or things that happened, it can be so challenging because just as Don said earlier today, people leave, turnover happens, you know, the we, the world keeps going on and we do lose some of that knowledge base. So, um, you know, prepare that stuff in the background as it's happening and it's very fresh in your mind. Um, so I know sometimes that's the last thing we want to be doing but I've actually, for me, taken the habit of keeping storyboards, create them in the background um, for my own reference and knowledge and being able to, to work on them throughout as needed. All right. All right. Let's move forward through to um, the third and last scenario, which is when your company acquires uh, another compound or a device. So let's jump into uh, the second framework of today's discussion, which is the TTO framework, the TMF transfer and continuity, um, really helping organizations build a structured plan and process for when you acquire another compound or device. So what are we doing first here, Steph, when it comes to acquiring uh, a compound from another organization? As, as a TMF leader, you've been notified that this is happening. What are some of the first few steps that you're going to look at? I want to find out where all that TMF content is, just like I would anywhere else. I And again, this goes back to the comment I made. 
you might be told where we have five, 10, whatever active studies could be more or whatever. Um, but then all of a sudden in the background, there's a lot more and it might be in different locations. So I think that's the first and foremost um, piece is identifying where all of your TMF content sits. So, and where, um, and how you, and getting access to it, of course, is very, very important. Um, but start getting your mind around what's that game plan going to be on how we're going to be now um, putting that into your organization. All right. And then I guess we've got to ask ourselves the question whether the TMFs that we're going to be looking at are also part of a submission, right, Dawn? Why would we want to be asking ourselves that question pre-transfer? Well, it, again, it's a risk-based approach. You know, it, if this is a compound that um, maybe they've tried on or a device they've used on many, many different indications and the likelihood that that TMF from X, Y, and Z study is not going to be inspected, I don't want to spend my time on that. And it's really, it's really focusing on what matters and taking that as a risk-based approach. So if it's not going to be part of a submission or maybe we're acquiring multiple compounds and one of them is going to sit on our shelf as well, perhaps, you know, it, it's going to be one that we're not going to spend a lot of time. We may just bring that TMF and archive it and call it good. You know, it doesn't mean that it won't come back to us later, but let's let's not worry about that one now. You know, often you acquire a compound, and, and I have a couple of examples of this from um, clients over recent years. They acquire a compound, and they want to submit within a year, you know, because they're acquiring it. They looked at the data. The study data looks good. It was a positive study, and for whatever reason, the company that had the compound decided not to take it forward. And there's lots of reasons for that. Well, suddenly you're going to take it forward at least, you know, and there may be 15 TMFs, but 10 of them are phase one, you know, um, five of them are for another indication. And there's maybe two or three criticals that that's, these are my pivotal studies. Those are the trial master files highest at risk for being inspected. So let's take our time and efforts and focus there. And then the rest of it, let's just find a safe archival place for it, safe validated archival place for it and not really worry about it. And it, it just helps you focus. All right, perfect. So once we've gone through the pre-transfer phase, we've made the kind of uh, an understanding of what all of the different sources of content, we've understanding if maybe these TMFs could support a submission in the future. Now we're jumping into the actual transfer of TMF content or a series of TMFs. Steph, could you quickly walk us through the, the, the five or so steps here in the transfer and kind of why those steps are in that suitcase? I think these are pretty similar to some of the other slides we've shown and, and probably similar to other um, TMF activities. But of course, again, establish your baseline, do the TMF gap assessment, where does it stand prior to coming into your system if it's going into your system? Most likely it is. Um, right, so establish your uh, gap assessment, get that done, have that in your back pocket and start working from that. From there, you want to create your plans, your transition plan, migration plan, all the plans we talked about. Um, and one of the things we didn't talk about um, earlier is don't forget at the long run, depending on how this is happening, you might wanna consider the TMF plans having a transition game plan as well. Um, if they're going from, if you're acquiring them and they're going to a new company, um, maybe it's that company's template, making sure you're establishing um, your TMF plan transition as well. So putting your plans in place. Uh, the next one is determine system transfers, determining the system, which is a key one, and then the transfer requirements. Which system is best for the organization? Maybe the company, um, Maybe the other company had a great system and we've acquired that uh, we're some reason keeping in them or we're keeping it, we're putting it into ours um, or whatever ones that we might utilize. And then what does those uh, requirements look like? So we're saying compliance and keeping date, data integrity. And with that comes the infamous activity of mapping. Um, <laughs> many of us have done it. Um, it's, it sounds easy, it looks easy, but it's not so easy. It cannot, it 
you can have indices. I don't know if many of you have seen uh, a slew of different indexes, what they may look like um, across the board. You have your ba basic reference model ones, but that can change six ways from Sunday, or maybe there's a homegrown one put in place. So you want to map it to what you have to do. That is quite an activity that I wouldn't um, just throw shade at it. It is a, a very big activity that can take a bit of time. So think about that very, um, take your time with that one as well. And then of course, the big one, we're into the piece of migrating our TMS and going through that entire process, um, which is a process in itself that has many stakeholders as well. Um, certainly something I am very, very uh, close contact with um, currently. So those are the, the transfer pieces. There's a lot of pieces in between, but this is the high level ones that we thought were important to share. Yeah. And I, I love the, the comment about sort of the, the, the lots of different types of indexes, right? I think naturally it's going to be easier if you're looking at a series of different indexes that are aligned to maybe various versions of the reference model. Right. But if you have that scenario where you're having a homegrown model, which still happens, Mm -hmm. um surprisingly still happens um it, it it makes it much more difficult because not only do you need to figure out how you map you also need to learn that new index yes absolutely and i've seen them from being um based off of the reference model but expanded greatly to based off of the reference model go into something much smaller and then try to figure out the complexities of where you're putting things and then getting alignment and agreement Let's not forget that. That's really important with our stakeholders, making sure everybody's happy on where things are going because it's not just doing this activity, but it's bringing in the people and getting the, the correct buy-in and being able, um, and the system set up is ready to, ready to go for that. And just one right. quick on the mapping. I mean, well, two, two quick points. One is there is the pre-mapping activities where we're trying to determine what, how, how these are gonna look at. But then you have to look at it once it gets to the TMF as well, because no matter how good you do the pre-mapping activities, you're going to inevitably have place things filed in places. You you just do the head slap of how did that how did that get there? Yeah. Like who, how did that make it there? Um, I have good funny ones I can share with someone offline sometime. <laughs> you know, and and then the the other play you know the other piece with this is, you know, again, thinking about one of the things in Alcoa, you know, C++, is it has to be retrievable. So that's why the mapping becomes so important. At the end of the day, you need to be able to, to retrieve um, these documents, should you need it, it whether it's you're going to have ongoing studies or particularly in an inspection, you need to be able to get the documents. Because if you have all the, the most beautiful TMF in the world, but you can't find documents in the TMF, you're not going to fare well in an inspection. No. Right. All right. So if we think about the you're moving from the transfer into the continuity phase, we're starting to now work directly within some of these TMFs within our own environment, perhaps. From here, Dawn, I'm going to give you a minute and a half to give me a run through of what are some of the things that we're going to be doing in this phase. Pressure on. Pressure on. Got it. Well, you know, we've talked about as much as you can maintain that communication with the transferring company because ultimately you're going to have questions. You know, make sure there's someone you can go back to and say, hey, we can't, we don't know why this was done this way. We don't know what this document is. Help us out. You, you have to, at some point, call the TMF final. You could spend yeah. the rest of your life putting these TMFs. I've had a TMF with 500,000 documents. I could be spending the rest of my career making that a very beautiful TMF. It's not worth it. So take that risk-based approach. Say, what is good enough? Remember, quality is, is the absence of errors that matter, and keep that in mind. But also keep in mind, Develop the storyboard stuff started putting there. So, you know, really, really put all the good, bad, and ugly in those storyboards so you can speak to it and start preparing people for inspection. Because these probably are not going to be pretty TMFs. Mm. But if you prepare for it and you're very transparent with your inspectors, and I'll actually hop into the last one there. If you're really transparent with your inspectors from the get-go, of this is what we got, this is how we remediated it, and this is what we're ending up in the end, you're much more likely to have a successful inspection. 
where you're able to retrieve what they need to have retrieved, and you're able to explain when you can't. You're able to know, yeah, you're right, that that document may not meet Alcoa, but study's over. We can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they really say to them, next, you know, what are, again, our continuous improvements to try to prevent that in the future? I mean, maybe we didn't do a good enough due diligence way back in the beginning. You know, we're going to put a step in there where someone looks at that. So it'll give you all that. Did I make my minute and a half? I think you did. I think you did. All right. So, we're, well, we're already talking about inspections. So why don't we talk about the regulators? When when these big events happen, and they can be big, um, they're probably not going to be small. Um, when, when we think about the, the types of activities that we're going to be undertaking, the plans that we're going to be creating, the, you know, the documentation of what we've done, um, what are you thinking about when it comes to what inspectors are expecting to see, knowing that something like this has happened? Dawn, throw that to you. Yeah, I, I mean, it goes back to those plans we said. They're going to want to see that you had a plan mm -hmm. for this transition. And, you know, I worry less about how beautiful your plan is to how complete it is. Right. You know, did, did you address all steps? They're going to want to see, did you validate and verify? So, you know, are you ensuring what your system came from? Was it a validated system? And if it wasn't, how am I addressing that? Where And where is, of course, documentation, 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 because if it wasn't written down, it didn't happen. It's, it's very simple. So you need to show that whole piece of it. And then finally, the migration. We will have that migration plan. A lot of times that can be a very technical document because that might be your IT documents and how they map things and how they did different loader systems or whatever they might have done with that. Um, you know, how did we ensure our data integrity from system to system? And that, and that's really the key. And they want to see our documentation of that. Show us how you feel A equals B. And, and I'd like to tag on here. One thing I said earlier to do was, or that I feel like is a great activity is to go back six months a year down the road and revisit your gap assessment and revisit your transition plan making sure that you have everything all in order and I guess in a pretty little package in some ways. So when you do this, you're preparing yourself, you're doing inspection readiness activities. So you know, when you walk into that inspection room, you'd be like, you know what, I've double checked this. This is actually all good to go. And I know right where things sit. And the other point that I think it's really important to show at inspections is not only do we figure out the past history, do we figure out the migration, the transition, everything about this, but what are we doing moving forward and showing that we have everything is now set in the right process and moving forward um, as needed and alignment within the processes that we stated in the beginning or in the transition plan that we all agreed to align on, that's where everything is now. So in you know, showing those continuous improvements and having that oversight. And again, as, Doc, as Don said, the documentation is so key. We can speak for days, and I'm sure if you guys don't know Don and I, right. you don't know Don and I, we can speak for days. Um, but backing that up, it have to have the documentation behind you to show them that it's been done, it's been agreed upon, it's done per plan. And if it wasn't, be ready to speak to that as well. And it's okay. It's okay. Just transparency is key. Right. And one of the things pre-inspection you can do as well do an internal audit or do a mock inspection. You know, th those are things, and you might not call it a mock, you might call it an internal audit. Theoretically, inspectors aren't gonna ask for your audit reports. But even if they do, if you show you followed your quality system, even if it showed some deficits, you really, people feel like they're opening up their dirty laundry. I actually would argue against that. You're mm -hmm. actually showing that you did a deep dive into this and, you know things aren't perfect, but you've also seen some plans you can put in place to have continuous improvement. Yeah. So, you know, there's been times I've shared internal audit reports with an inspector and actually had findings downgraded for it. So it, it can work. All right. We are at time. 
Um, but I will spend a minute or so just uh, giving an overview of some of the really great templates that have been prepared that talk a little bit about that pretty little package stuff that you just mentioned, some of the things that you're going to want to do to be able to get those those things in, in place. So if you guys want to get access to any of these templates that have been developed, head over to Montreal's LinkedIn company page. Go give us a follow. On Friday, we're going to be releasing these for free, available to anybody that wants them. Um, so go over there now. So you're already there, ready to rock for Friday. So we've got a TMF transition plan, your TMF gap assessment checklist, TMF process comparison and selection matrix. So how do you evaluate between an acquiring company and an acquired company, what the selected process will be moving forward, stakeholder mapping, understanding who is sitting at other side of the table, and then finally some tools around communication planning. So lots of really great resources available to everybody for free if you just head over to Montreal's LinkedIn company page. And that brings us to the end of today's session. Steph, Dawn, I knew this would be fun. I also knew that we would get to the hour. <laughs> Not surprised. Um, but it's been a really great conversation. I'm super happy that we went through these um, uh, this information and the frameworks that we put together. Thank you both for joining us. I would love to have you guys back. I know that there's a ton of things that we could talk about. Um, but today, thank you so much. We've had a fantastic discussion today about managing TMF transitions using tried and tested frameworks. These frameworks can be applied in various scenarios, including acquisitions, mergers, and compound or device transfers. We hope you found this episode valuable and gained practical insights to help you in your TMF management journey. Thank you for joining us on the State of TMF. Don't forget to subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes to help you stay ahead in the world of TMF. Until next time.